Amen. What better place to be at the end of a year, the beginning of a new year, than at Calvary Shadow? Uh, because we look at the year that we've lived and the year ahead of us, as the Lord allows, as uh, full of opportunity and probably full of challenges, and in all of them, how much we need what was purchased for us on the cross at Calvary. Can you say amen? amen. You know, the uh, Scripture tells us that His mercies are new every morning. That means that when you got up this morning, there is fresh mercy available. There is opportunity to experience God's goodness, His grace, uh, to absorb it, to soak it up. And I'm sure as you went through Thanksgiving and maybe now that as you've come through Christmas, uh, you've, you've had an opportunity to think about what you have to thank God for in 2018. You know, maybe there were a couple of days that were difficult days or even unexpected dark moments. Maybe there were really good surprises, doors that opened up that you never expected, things that God did, uh, maybe transitions. Uh, for my wife, Pamela, and I, Pamela's here today, and uh, the, probably the most difficult day, one of them, was uh, April the 13th. Uh, we were... We were uh, teaching and presenting a couple's retreat up in Long Island, New York, and we took a little bit of time with the couple, the pastor couple we were there with, and we're, we're hiking. We got a telephone call, and we found out that my daughter, who was expecting a baby, uh, had just gone to the doctor. She was still several months away from having the baby, and they gave a report that showed several problems. They said they're not three, they're not four, they're at least five. And we believe that this, this child is going to have a lot of serious issues. You may want to consider aborting the baby. So that was difficult news to receive. But then, could I tell you in the same year, on the 5th of July, a little baby girl was born, Nora Joy, 3 pounds, 12 ounces. But they were, they were so concerned, they had 12 doctors and nurses in the room, and when she was born, they gasped, and they said, Oh my goodness, she looks beautiful. So she now is about 12 pounds. We had her with us over the holidays. She is doing great, passing all the tests. God has worked a miracle, and we give him praise. So we celebrate that, and we realize that it could have gone differently. You know, that, that there, are, there are miracle moments, and then there are challenging moments that we go through. And either way, we need God, no matter where we are. Uh, also this year, um, in October, my mother passed away. Very difficult day. Some of you have lost loved ones this year. Some of you have had babies born this year. Uh, things that you celebrate and things that have been challenging. Uh, some of you have started new jobs. Some of you have left old ones. You've gone through transitions and changes and opportunities. Some of you have graduated. Some of you are yet hoping maybe in the new year to graduate. But seasons and transitions. So I'm uh, especially privileged to be able to, to bring the word this morning and tonight. And I appreciate Pastor Tim. appreciate Pastor Wayne and Sharon. And uh, they're uh, entrusting this opportunity to me today as we come to the end of a year, the beginning of another one. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about three questions that have helped me focus my faith. They're questions that now, at the end of every year, I tend to ask, 
and they have been unbelievably helpful. They're based on passages of Scripture uh, that I really believe will help focus your faith for the new year. If you want to focus your life, you have to focus your faith. Uh, without faith, nothing is possible. But through faith, all things are possible. Tonight, we're going to talk about focusing your faith. So come, bring your heart, and maybe bring a pen with you tonight, uh, because we're going to talk about what is it that will help us focus our faith as we move into a new year. Well, I, I'm excited about the message uh, that I get to bring this morning, because I'm excited about the Word of God. And uh, the Word of God, what would we do without it? Aren't you glad that you've had the Bible in 2018? Amen. You know, we don't take it lightly. Uh, the psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. That there's healing in the word of God. Jesus, that John talked about in his gospel, he presented as the word, the living word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So this word that God has given us is such a blessing and a privilege. And the beautiful thing is before it ever was in print and paper, God spoke it. God spoke it. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's written in the New American Standard Version of the Bible. No. By every word that proceeds from the what? The mouth of God. So what transforms us is when his word, the spirit, breathes it inside of us. And so as you read the word this year, and as maybe you're even looking at a reading plan and getting ready, as Pastor Tim talked about, getting ready to, to get into the word afresh this year, I encourage you to pray that God will breathe his word on your heart, and that's what I pray he does with us today as we, as we get into his word. Well, you know, when you live in Florida, sometimes uh, when you have lived in other parts of the country and you move and you go to Florida, you say, hey, you ought to come visit us sometime. Sometimes you move to parts of the country and people never come. When you move to Florida, sometimes they say, well, hey, we're coming because we're hoping to take our kids to Disney, you know, and this might help a little bit on some of the expenses. And so we've had more people take us up on that offer than any place we've ever moved in our lives. Well, uh, there was this grandmother who had the privilege of taking her grandson to Disney World. You know, uh, we, we now have a two-year-old grandson and a, the six-month grand, miracle granddaughter, Nora Joy, uh, that, that we just had. They were just with us for the last, like, week and a half. So we're, we've been soaking up the moments and enjoying them. Well, this grandmother got to take her little five-year-old grandson to Disney. And it was a big deal because the mother entrusted the grandson to the grandmother. He said, Mom, keep an eye on him because he tends to run away very easily and get lost. So she's with him and holding him close, and she had to look away to take care of something, and she turned back, and he was gone. He was gone. And I mean in Disney gone. And can you imagine the distractions for a five-year-old in Disney? And uh, so she looked and looked, and her heart rate began to rise, and she searched and searched and searched and couldn't find him. Finally, she went to, to customer service and had them put an announcement out to alert all their staff to give a physical description. She looked for well over an hour, could not find her grandson. 
Well, as, the, the, as I was told the story, the, the grandmother, finally exhausted and just so overwhelmed, what am I going to do? What's my daughter going to say? What's happened? Where, where is my grandson? Is he something happened to him? Where is he? She finally sort of gave up a bit and sat on a, a bench and just said, God, you've got to help me. And all of a sudden, it was the end of the afternoon, and she could hear the Disney parade that always marches through Main Street, you know, the end of the afternoon. And she hears the band, and they're coming, and all the musicians, and here comes Mickey and Minnie and marching. And she looks in at the end of the band, there's her five-year-old grandson, just marching, having the time of his life. Totally lost, but having the time of his life. Sometimes things are not always as they appear. Sometimes you and I may think everything's fine, when really it isn't. Sometimes we may feel that what we're doing is pleasing God when it really isn't. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is, is death. The end is death. So I want to talk with you about that today. I think today the Holy Spirit wants to take His Word and help us to look through it and to see something about ourselves and I'm entrusting the Holy Spirit to do this in a way that I cannot today. Because as I prayed for a while about this service, that's what I felt God wanted for this morning. Now tonight we're going to talk about faith and moving into 2019. But this morning, I believe for God to do the work that he wants to do through you, he has to do a work within you. For God to take us farther, he wants to take us deeper. For God to lead us in the course and plan that he has for our life to do his work boldly, he has to transform us deeply. You know, it's quiet when surgery is going on, right? You can hear pin drops when surgery goes on. Sometimes I read my Bible and I get so inspired. And sometimes I read my Bible and I get really challenged. Do you know what I'm talking about? where I feel like I'm reading my Bible and my Bible is reading me. And as we look at the Scripture, the Scripture knows things about us that we often don't know about ourselves because it was given by the Holy Spirit. And we read one story in Genesis 11. We read about a time, uh, a time when the whole world spoke one, one language. Genesis 11, you know the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a what? A city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves, make a name for ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, listen to this, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be what? Impossible for them. Come, now this is very interesting. Come, let us go down. It's God speaking, but he says, let us. So the, tr the members of the Trinity, theologians believe, are conferring with each other, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there 
over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. Some theologians believe that this is the opposite of the day of Pentecost. You know, on this day, they were all speaking one language and God confused them and spread them out and they spoke many languages. On Pentecost, they spoke many languages and then they began to speak in a new heavenly language and there was a unity and a coming together uh, in his name. But the Tower of Babel is a picture of something interesting because there they wanted to build a stairway to heaven, which is uh, a famous old Led Zeppelin rock song, Stairway to Heaven. So, uh, but, but the origination of the phrase is in this story, building a stairway to heaven. And you know, I wonder as we come to this season, what ladder are you climbing in your life? What steps are you taking? We think of climbing, we think of ladders. You know, I remember when my daughter Candace, who's here with us today, she was about three or four years old. She was walking really well, had been walking for quite a while. And I had work to do on the roof of our house. And so I was up probably about 10 feet on the front part of our roof, and I had a ladder. I went up, and it's like afternoon, and, and uh, the weather's nice out. And I climb up, and I'm up, I believe, painting some trim on a window. And all of a sudden, I'm painting the trim, and from the side, I hear, hi, Daddy. And I turn around, and Candace has climbed all the way up like a 10, 12-foot ladder. And she's looking at me and just smiling, hi, Daddy. So fathers, how would you feel right about that? It's like, oh, dear Lord Jesus. Come send angels, you know, protect this child. So you know what I did? I'm like, okay, sweetie, just stay right there. Daddy's coming, just, just right there. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. You stay right, don't, don't move, hold on tight. And then I came around her and held her, and then we walked safely down the ladder. And then my heart rate began to go down, you know, just a little bit. But that was, that was a moment. You know, as she had, she had the ability to climb up, but it would have been almost impossible for her at that point to effectively, with the size of those rungs, to climb down the ladder. Well, I want to talk to you about something the Scripture tells us about the climbs that we take. Uh, it is in 1 John 2, 15 to 17. And if there is ever an x-ray part of Scripture that we can hold up to our hearts and say, God, show me the truth about me. See, I believe the, the bravest prayers that we ever pray are not prayers for things we want, but prayers where we ask God to reveal the truth. Uh, you know, I found that the, the fastest prayers that God answers for me is when I ask him to show me the truth. Show me the truth about you. Show me the truth about me. Show me the truth about your will for me. And here's the verse. It's in uh, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. God's truth, God's word. Now the word used here, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, is a strong word. The, the Greek word means desire for that which is forbidden. When you desire and want something that God has said, no, that's not the best. 
That's not my plan for you. But the desire's there. See, we live, sadly, we live in an age where instead of the Word of God being the center of our decision-making, we've now often said, my feelings will be the center of my decision-making. So instead of saying, what should I do? Lord, reveal to me what I should do. We say, what should I do? What do I feel like doing? But you see, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to us, but the end thereof is death. When Adam sinned, that part of you that should know what to do was affected. And it caused something to occur within us that occurs very often. It's our, it's our default mode. And it's called, it's a three-letter word. Can you guess what it is? Sin. S-I-N. Sin. It starts with the letter S, as does the word selfishness. Now, this is a forceful word. Jesus said, in Mark 4, but the desires of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for, of other things enter in, they choke my word out and they make you unfruitful. So before we go into what we're going to talk about tonight and how do we focus our faith for a new year, I believe God wants to speak to us this morning about what is it that's within us that could keep us from what he desires for us. What is it within us that could keep us from what he desires for us? for us. Uh, there's a version of this that was written by Pastor um, uh, Eugene Peterson, who passed away this year. He wrote the, the message version. Here's how it reads. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out our love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world, and listen to this, all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Now, some would say, wait a minute, that's just an old guy in the Bible talking about all this stuff. He's trying to steal our fun away from us. But really, this is the Word of God by the Spirit speaking something that is as fresh and alive as anything in our world today. So when you look at the ladders that we're climbing, in 2018, let me ask you, when it comes to energy, effort, strength, time, money, investment, where have you put the bulk of your resources in this year? Where have they gone? Well, you might be here and you have a child in college and you say, well, I'm trying to pay their way through college. Or you may be here and you, you have uh, some project you've been trying to save up for or something you want to do or get or something you're trying to complete or a project in your home you're doing or something like that. And you say, well, that's required a lot of time, a lot of investment. Well, what John is talking about here is he's saying, listen, if you want to be someone who follows Jesus Christ with all your heart, a disciple of Jesus that follows him, my experience has been that there are at least three things that would love to squeeze the life right out of you and to keep you from that, to keep you away from it. Now, you know, how many of you know that life is sometimes like climbing up a mountain, right? Just put your hand up if you believe. Sometimes it's challenging. Life has challenges. Sometimes you have to work at it. So to get encouragement, we look to all kinds of sources, one of them is music. Probably when it comes to going up a ladder or trying to get up somewhere in the last handful of years, this song has probably been played and sung by many people. There's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. 
Go ahead, if you know it, you can sing it. It's the what? It's the climb. So that song has been played by so many people, and it almost has the determination of somebody, you know, trying to, to live out life, to do what they're supposed to do. The, the lyrics of it, you know, there, there's some of them we could probably liken to aspects of faith, and some of them that are just sort of basic about getting through life. You know, it's, it's about the climb. It's about getting through it. It's about rising up. But the Scripture tells us much about climbing. It says that Moses was called to climb up on a mountain, and while he was there, God gave him the commandments. While he climbed up a mountain, God said, here, this is how I want you to live. It says while he was on that mountain that the glory of God appeared like a cloud all around him, and God was there. The psalmist said, I will look to the hills from whence comes my help. My help is in God. I'll look to him, I'll look to him. Yeah, I'll look to them. And I tend to believe that one reason that David was so victorious over Goliath is that he looked, when he saw Goliath standing in front of him, that he looked beyond him and he saw the mountains around him and remembered the God who had made all of those, that he was greater than the Goliath that he was facing. So when you look at what John was telling us, you say, well, what is it within me that could keep me from receiving what God has for me and what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go? When you look at the time, how will you invest your time, your skills, your abilities, your, your resources, your money in this new year? Well, John's saying, here's what we tend to do that hurts us. Here's what we tend to focus on. One is my way. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's my way or the highway? You know, my wife and I talk about this a lot, and we... We uh, wrote a book about this uh, that deals with some aspects of this, but she, uh, she will say, you know, there's a certain way that you're supposed to put dishes in the dishwasher. Does it, don't you guys know the rules of the dishwasher? And then even when you do laundry and you fold towels, she said, there's a certain way you're supposed to fold the towels. But then also, like the other day, we had something that needed to be cleaned out, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I got to do this now. And then I found out later that Pamela was trying to do something, getting ready for Christmas. So that sort of got, you know, my way and her way, and we were dealing with working through that. But you may feel that, my way. We often want things my way, because my way is the what? The best way. Well, everybody ought to know that. This is the way you do it. This is the way you're supposed to do it. This is how it ought to be, because this is my way. And we can... We can get stubborn about that. Uh, anyone in the room, you don't have to raise your hand, have any controlling tendencies? Uh, I remember when I, I taught a class and we had to take this survey, temperament survey, and I took it, it was a new one, and when I took it, it said, uh, high controller. And I, I said, wait a minute, what are you talking about, you know, controller? And I remember I came home and I told Pamela, I said, you know, I took this crazy survey and it said, that I'm like a controller. I said, can you believe that? She said, yes. <laughs> and so I went to one of my daughters and later I said, you know, I took this survey, this crazy thing. And they said, you know, I said, can you believe this says that I'm a controller? She said, yes, dad. 
I said, well, what makes you think it? She says, everybody knows if you're anywhere within the vicinity of the living room, you always get the remote control. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> so my way, in life, we can often get set in my way. But the scripture says, as I mentioned earlier, there's a way that seems right to us. And the end thereof is death. So Christianity is all about coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I surrender my way to you. Why? Because I want to do things your way. It's your way. It's the ways of God. Do you know we often seek the will of God, but you know there's more in the Bible about the ways of God? I can't open up my Bible. It tells me who I'm supposed to marry or what job I'm supposed to do or where I'm supposed to live or what kind of house I'm supposed to buy. But it does tell me that I'm supposed to be full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. It talks about the ways of God, and it tells us that if we'll honor those ways, God will reveal his will. So what about you? Is it your way? If, if the x-ray of the word of God looks up at your heart, would you say, yeah, I get stuck. This is where I get stuck again and again. But then there's another. John said, let me tell you about another one that'll keep you away from God, that will squeeze the life of God out of you, is stuff. Because we need more what? Stuff. Uh, I was working on a, uh, a project a few years back, and I, I took a break, and it was late at night, and I turned on late night talk TV, and there was a comedian on there who said, you know what? He said, it's sort of weird, but life is all about stuff. He said, and let me tell you, he said, because you need to get a good job and make a lot of money because you need to buy a lot of, and you need to get a house because you need a place to keep all that. And you need an insurance, uh, you know, policy because somebody might mess with that. And then you need to go on vacation and you need a suitcase because you need to take some of your, and then you need a hotel room because you, you don't want to have to carry around all that. And then you come home, you turn on this television, there's somebody that says, you know what, you've got a lot of old. You need some new. So we use somebody else's money to get some new stuff. And then we raise our kids, we send them to school, and, and we want them to get a good job so they can make a lot of money, so they can get a lot of... And when I, when I heard that, I, it, was, it was the most unexpected thing in my life. I'm watching comedy television, and I'm like, that's the most accurate description of materialism I think I've ever heard. So God wants to bless us. He loves, to, fathers love to bless their children, mothers love to bless their children, he loves to bless us. But while he allows us to have some things, he doesn't want them to have us. Because when they have us, then they become idols. You know, there's a verse in Jonah that I've never heard preached on my whole life, but it's one of the most amazing verses. It says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Those who cling to worthless idols, Jonah 2.4, forfeit the grace that could be theirs. In other words, there are things that God wants to do in your life and fill your life with, but you can't have them because you're holding on to so many other things. So as you come to the end of a new year and the beginning of a new one, are there some things that God says, I want you to let go of these, to trust me. I want you to become more of a giver than a taker more of a Christ follower than simply somebody that brings things into your world and says, you know, if I could just get more this or a bigger home or this or that, then life would be great. And God can bless us with all those things. But if that becomes the passion of our life, if that becomes what we're desperate for, then we're no different than people that have never met Jesus. 
Because when you meet Jesus, when you follow him, he says, you know what, I'm taking you a different way. As a matter of fact, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I'm going to transform your heart. And I'm going to give you the kind of heart that, yeah, you can use things and have things here on earth, but man, your treasure is in another place. Your heart is in another place. You're living for another place and another life, and this is just a shadow compared to what that's going to be one day. I'm going to give you a new heart. Not just a little peppering of Christianity in your life enough to fill up an hour or two every week, but a transformation of the way you live your life. That's what Jesus wants. And then John says there's another thing that we do that hurts us. It's impression. Because you have to make a good what? Impression. You've got to make a good impression on people. And we think about that. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe it's, good, it's important to make a good first impression. You know, look somebody in the eye, greet them, say good morning, be, be upbeat about it. That's important. But this is when your focus of your life is what other people think about you. And is that the most important thing? What other people think about me? You say, well, how? Uh, let's see, maybe Instagram. Uh, you think Instagram, you think there are people today that are worried about the impression they're going to make on others on Instagram? Do you think there are people who will have a sense of value that will be attached to how many people like the next image they put on Instagram? This concerns me as much as I'm grateful for media, technology, all these things, and we can use them and even Instagram for, for really good things. I'm burdened for a generation that feels like it has to compare itself to other people, how they look, what they have, what they do, all of that. Because because of that, we're creating anxiety within people that doesn't need to be there. And we're saying, put your expectations way up here, way up here while your reality is here. And what do you have in the middle? Stress. The only way to lower the stress is to alter the expectations or to change the reality, and much of life is a little bit of both. But God does not want us to spend our life trying to impress others with what we have, what our title is, what we own, what we do, what we look like. Somebody said this. I remember when I heard it. It sort of surprised me. They said, we wouldn't worry so much about what other people thought about us if we knew how seldom they did. I thought, wow, that sounds a little cynical. <laughs> we wouldn't worry so much about what other people thought about us if we knew how seldom they did. But truthfully, do we really think that people are spending their day today analyzing what you wear, how you look, where you go, what you do? What you... No, people's lives, everybody, everybody's life is usually so full, there's little time to do that kind of stuff. So to put our energy into that, and I say this to older people that are here, but to younger people as well. Man, I don't want you to have to live with that pressure. And I believe John's saying, as a wise disciple who is the closest one to Jesus, he's saying, I don't want you to live with that pressure. I want your heart to be free. To be free. So that's the x-ray passage, 1 John 2, that within me I could get focused on my way or the highway or on stuff, just more stuff. That's what life is about, or making an impression on other people. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Someone has said there are three kinds of people, or two kinds of people in the world. Somebody that walks in the room and says, here I am. The party can start. And others that walk in the room and say, there you are. But there's a third one, and that's the person that walks in the room and says, here we are. 
That's, that's the church. That's coming together and being unified in him. So there's another passage that may be familiar to you that I believe gives us real direction when it comes to what God wants for us and the ladders that he does want to meet us at. And it's this, Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your... Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Eugene Peterson puts it this way as he translates it for his church in a sermon. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Listen for him in everywhere you go, everything you do. So what, what this passage is telling us, that if you follow these things, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding, acknowledge him in your ways, he'll make your path straight. His will will be revealed. So what this psalmist is saying to us, or this uh, writer of the Proverbs, Solomon, is trust God. Trust God. So instead of focusing on my way, trust God. Instead of saying, Lord, it has to be this way, surrender your way. When we follow Jesus, and in a little while we're going to open these altars for us as we move into a new year to commit ourselves to desperately seeking God, trusting Him with all of our heart. When we trust Him, we say, Lord, there's a way that seems right to me, but you know what? I'm surrendering that to you because I want your way. I release my way to you because I want your way. I remember when I found out about my daughter and the pregnancy and the complications, I would talk to God and say, God, don't let this happen to my little girl. She, her middle name literally is Joy, and her daughter's middle name is Joy. It's Kara Joy, Nora Joy. And Kara's been such a joyful kind of kid. I mean, she, she's not perfect like everybody's not, but she's so full of joy. So full of joy. And I'm like, God, this is going to bring depression, struggle, fear. God, help her, I pray. And it was challenging to trust God. It wasn't, and I would again and again, God would, I would say, but Lord, do this, do this. And I would feel the Spirit say, trust me. Trust me. Last night, I talked to my father-in-law on the telephone. And he's in his late 80s. And we're talking about this. He's a retired pastor. And he said, can I tell you something about trusting God at this season of my life? I said, sure, I'd love to hear it. He said, he said at times it's challenging. He said, because there are times when I deal with a lot of fear. I said, what kind of fear? He said, fear of the future, fear of when my time is coming, fear of financial concerns and all those things. And I said, can I share that with the people tomorrow? He said, sure. And he said, but always the Holy Spirit brings me back to this, to the love of God. Know that God loves you. And because you know he loves you, you can trust him. Our trust in God is based on his character. When we don't trust him, it's as if we're doubting his character. Well, then you say, what about stuff? What's, how do we overcome that? That tendency, just more, more, more. Uh, that, that thing of just, you know, there was a billionaire that was asked who had billions and billions of dollars. And he was asked, you've got more money than you'll ever know what to do with. What, what do you want next? He said, the next dollar. The next dollar. I read this morning in Proverbs 30 that there are these, it, it says these daughters uh, give and give that want more, 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 more. It talks about just that part of us 
They keep crying for more and more and more. So what, what does the Word of God say is the way to overcome that? It may surprise you. It's enjoying God. It's enjoying your relationship with God. Do you remember when you first became a Christian? When I first got saved, I was 16 years old. It was at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We went camping, and out of 2,000 campsites, it just so happened that 50 Christian kids camped right next door to us. And they led me to Christ. And I gave my heart to the Lord, and I felt transformed. I wanted to go hug a tree. It's like I saw people differently. It was just like this new joy inside of me that got it. But it was like a day and night kind of experience, and there was joy and I'll bet you there are people in this room. Are there people in this room that have ever prayed for a parking place? And you're like, praise God, I got a parking place right next to Publix. You know, there's a God in heaven. Now we hear that, we're like, that's so silly. No, you know what that is? That's the prayer of somebody that believes God is with them every minute. Everywhere they go, no matter what the decision is, no matter what the choice, no matter what the struggle, that's a person that believes God's right here, right now. But the problem is sometimes, and and it's so easy, I can feel this at times in my life. The problem is sometimes we're so busy trying to get a life that we're not experiencing life. We're so busy trying to get to that place, oh, if I get there, then life will be great that the things God's blessing and doing within us right now, and we're, not, we're missing him. We're going right by him. We think, oh, it's tomorrow. It's the, it's the promotion. It's the raise. It's the next house. It's this, it's that. And the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty right now. Our God is a very present help in time of need. He's here. He's here. The good news about Jesus is that he's here. He's here right now. He's here. He's with you and me. He said, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be with you even until the end of the age. That's love. That's love. So maybe you ought to pray for a parking place again, you know, Uh, or just practicing the presence of God. I love what uh, Pastor John Piper says. This one you might want to write down. He said, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You say, now how does that look? How do I live that out of my life? How does that look, you know, on Monday morning, enjoying God? What does that look like on Monday morning, you know, December 31st, 2018? One way I believe it looks is when we get up in the morning, say, God, I just thank you. I thank you for a day that I get to know you better, that I get to know other people better, and then I thank you for who you are. There's this practice in the Christian life, many of you have experienced, it's called adoration. It's where you begin to think about what God's like and you adore him. Do do any of you remember, those of you that are married, when your spouse first said to to the ladies, you are beautiful. Now my wife likes beautiful a lot better than cute. She's like, that beautiful, that cute, that's, you know, that's not my favorite word. But beautiful, that's a good word. Or when the men, your wife said, you know, you are handsome. Or, you know, you're, you just, I love the, the way you do things, the way you accomplish things. Whatever it is, the, the, in our relationship with Jesus, intimacy with Jesus 
is so vital, so important. So enjoying God in your life. Have you enjoyed God in 2018? Will you enjoy him more in 2019? Jesus is enough. Jesus is more than enough. But God, if you'll do this, this, and that, then I'll worship you. That's, that's not love. That's not love. What kind of marriage is that? If you do this, this, and this, then I'll love you. And then the last one, making an impression. You say, how do I deal with that? Get to know God. Instead of getting people impressed with you, become more impressed with him. Instead of trying, you know, somebody has said, uh, you'll gain more friends in three minutes by getting interested in others than you will in three months of trying to get them interested in you. In order to be interesting, you must be interested. So allowing your heart to get caught up in the wonder of who he is, the greatness of who God is. That's what John said. John said to know Jesus is to know life, is to know the source of life. But it comes from a desperation a desperation for God. You know, I would imagine that grandmother at Disney World felt pretty desperate when that grandson was lost. Can you imagine the anxiousness? And can you imagine what hit her heart the minute she saw him marching? Now, you don't have to raise hands, but has anyone in the room ever lost a child? Even for a couple of seconds. That's that's a terrifying thing. And the minute, oh, you're down this aisle. The minute you see them, your heart just. But part of that relates to what are we desperate for? When's the last time you were desperate for something? I remember one year I wanted a certain type of bicycle. I was about 12 years old. And I knew my dad wasn't going to get it because he thought that kind of bicycle was dangerous for a 12-year-old. And I remember writing him a letter describing the reasons that I should have this bike. Like that was really going to change his mind, you know. But I was like riveted on getting that certain type of bicycle, fascinated on that. What's the last thing you were desperate for? This has to happen. This has to happen. This I so desire. This is so important, so vital, so vital. That grandmother was desperate. The Bible says you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. John would say, the things that I've talked about here, wanting things your way, that's going to take part of your heart. It's going to squeeze part of your heart. The stuff that you focus and rivet your life on, that's going to take part of your heart. Making an impression on others, that's going to take a part of your heart that I want to live in, that I want to work in, that I want to fill with my spirit and with my presence and with the fruit of my spirit. In other words, could it be that there are blessings in 2019 that Jesus has and there's no room in the inn. There's no room in us because we filled those rooms up so full. And Jesus would say as we come, and tonight we're going to talk more specifically about this, what are some steps that we could take to make sure that we are making room for what God wants to do in 2019? Could it be that we've allowed things to continue to hold parts of our hearts and God has been there just waiting? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to make room. I'm waiting for you to seek me with your whole heart. I'm waiting for you to be desperate and to really desire me because his word has said, if you draw near to me, I'm going to what? Draw near to you. I'm going to draw near to you. John, such a close follower of Jesus, but he calls us to a commitment that is desperate. 
There's a song that I love called, I'm, called Breathe, but it's I'm Desperate for You. I'm lost without you. And I found as the musicians come, I found that, that there is a, uh, there's a, there's some prayers that I just need to pray every now and then. And one of them is to remind myself of how much I need Jesus. It's so easy. Things can fill up our lives, new opportunities. Oh, wow, everything's set. Everything's good. Everything's rolling ahead. But we find ourselves and we're marching to the tune and we're behind the band, but we're lost when it comes to God and what he wants to do through us. Never think that lost people are always having a terrible time. Sometimes it can be fun to be lost. Do you know what I'm saying? But when God opens up our eyes and we see how much we need him, we realize that we're in a place where we are desperate for him. So the prayer that, that I try to pray, and whenever I drift, this is the one God brings me back to again and again, is God, I'm lost without you. I'm nothing without you. I am empty without you. And I am desperate for you. God, I am lost without you. I'm empty without you. I am nothing without you, but I am desperate for you. There's something about taking a step of faith towards God. Something about doing something physical to express something physical that is our spiritual that is good for us. And I want to ask everyone to stand, if you would, every head bowed, every eye closed, please. And, and I know then on a morning like this, at the end of a year, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to hearts. So right now, don't worry yourself so much about what's going on around you, but allow yourself to draw close to God in these moments and the Spirit of God. And allow Him to reveal to you what He wants to reveal to you so that He can do within you what He desires. So I'm going to ask you to pray two simple prayers with me. The first one is going to be asking God, we're, and we're asking the Holy Spirit even now, Show me the truth, God. Show me the truth about you. Show me the truth about me. And show me the truth about your will for me. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head and pray right after me. Dear God, you are Lord of all. You made me. And you made my heart. And you know what shape it is in. God, would you show me the truth about you? Help me to see you in a fresh way. But God, would you also show me the truth about me? Things that would keep me away from you. Things that I would give my heart to. That you don't desire. And then would you show me your will for me? I want to live your will as I end this year. I want to live your will as I end this year. And as I move into a new one. Now let's just wait a moment as we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. This is a precious moment. It's an intimate one between you and God. As he speaks as we just wait on him and his presence, his spirit here. Beautiful things that he's doing inside of us. 
You may be here and you say, you know, it's been difficult for me to trust God this year. Something in my life, and it's just been challenging. I have to admit it. And, and I, I know I need to, to just trust him, to release my way to him and trust him. And if that's you, then Jesus is doing something by his spirit in you today. Just as sure as he lets you know that, he's going to touch you and strengthen you and help you to trust him. And there are others that say, you know, my, my world's become so full. It seems like I'm bumping into things and they into me. And, and yet I know there's more and I need room in my life to just enjoy God and his presence in my life to again get excited about those little things that he does that let me know that he's with me and he's close. If that's you, he wants you to enjoy him. Jesus one time asked his disciples, have you asked for anything in my name? He said, ask, you'll receive it. Your joy will be full. And then others that are here that say, yeah, I felt that pressure, that anxiety of, of what am I doing? Where am I going? And what are other people thinking? And, and all those dynamics. But really what I need is to become impressed with who God is, who Jesus is, to, to worship him, to know him better, to know him in real ways. I need that in my life. I need that. And as we pray, in just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on which one of those you feel God challenging you and whether it's knowing him better, enjoying him more, or trusting him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you hear you say, you know, I, I need to know him better in my life, just put your hand right up. I need to know him. Put it right up boldly. Don't even hesitate. Put it right up. If God's speaking to you, put it right up. You can put it right back down. God bless you. Then others that are saying, honestly, I need to just enjoy his presence in my life more. Put your hand right up. Celebrate many of you, many of you. I need that joy and to walk in that joy. You can put it right back down. And then lastly, I need to trust him more. I know I do. Put your hand right up if that's you. I really need to trust him with these things in my life. I need to trust him with all he's doing inside of me and through me. You put it right back down. Now, I want to pray a prayer, a blessing over you that God would strengthen you to do these things that his spirit clearly tells us he wants to do. He wants to empower us to do. He's not standing back judging you about this. He's calling you closer because the fact is when you follow Jesus, it's not about climbing up a ladder. It's about realizing that he's already come down. He's humbled himself and became like us so that he can help us. So he's not here to condemn you. He's here to rescue us and to help us. So as we end a year and as we move into a new one, we're going to open up these altars. And I want to encourage you. I want us to come and just fill these altars with prayer. But come saying, God, I'm lost without you. I'm empty without you. I'm nothing without you. I am desperate for you. You can begin to come even now as we pray. I am lost without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm empty without you. I'm desperate for you. Let's come, draw near to him, all of you that have raised your hand. Let's come together. I am lost without you, Lord. I am nothing without you. I'm empty without you. And I am desperate for you today, God. Would you work in hearts today by your spirit? Draw us to know you to walk with you, to serve you, to follow you, God, and to draw near to you by your Holy Spirit. We believe you. As you come, just press in and seek him and say, Lord, I need you in my life. I desire you. I'm desperate for you. Let's sing this song. This is the end.
Yes, Lord, our, our prayer today, God, is one of desperation. And it's one saying, we know that we need you. And we believe, God, that we need you in ways that sometimes we miss and we overlook. God, we pray that you would have your way in our hearts, in the areas where we tend to just push for our way, and we miss trusting you. We pray that you would help us to put our trust fully in you, Lord, for areas where we allow the things of life to just fill our world so much that we push you out and we let our focus be on that and not on you. Help us to see that you are the pearl of great price, that you are the most valuable and important part of our lives next to none, and to celebrate you, to chase after you, to desperately run after you, to know you better. And then, Lord, lastly, that we would experience what it means to walk in the knowledge of God, that you would open our hearts and lives up, that we would walk in intimacy with God, that we would know Jesus, the same Jesus that made us excited in those early days of our walk with you, that you would bring us back to the place of first love, that our hearts would melt in your presence again, 
that our prayers would be fueled with passion to know you and to serve you. Jesus, guard us from the complacent approach to Christianity and put within us a fire for God that is fresh and new, that burns bright for the glory of God. We thank you that if we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and we lean not on our own understanding and in our ways we acknowledge you that you would make our path straight. Now, a number of you raised your hands related to wanting to know Jesus better. And I just want to pray with you, especially before we close. And I'm going to ask you, if you're here and you say, I need to know Jesus, I need a relationship with him in my life, or you need to know him better. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, his prayer for that whole church was that, I pray that you would know him better. Him whom to know is life everlasting. So I'm going to invite all of us just to pray a prayer of commitment to knowing God in our lives as we end this year and as we move into a new one full of opportunity to walk with him and to know him. Just pray it out loud and bold. Dear God, I need you. And I need to know you better. We live in a world full of so much information. Help me to experience transformation. Help me to experience transformation. Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, come into my heart. In bold ways. In bold ways. Love, me. Love me. Lead me. Lead me. Correct me. Correct. Train, me. Train me. Teach me. Teach me. And fill me with your spirit. I thank you for your blessings in 2018. Thank you for your blessings in 2018. Thank you for the challenges you've gotten me through. Thank you for the challenges you've gotten me through. Thank you for the opportunities of a new year coming. Thank you for the opportunities of a new year coming. And help me to get my faith focused. Help me to get my faith focused on you. On you. And my heart yielded to you. My heart yielded to you. So that I can live this new year for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. So many blessings that God's given in this year. Can we just give him a clap offering of praise for his goodness? And our prayer. I know Pastor Wayne and Sharon's prayer for you and uh, Pastor Tim and everyone is that God would just richly bless this new year. Join us tonight as we talk about focusing our faith for a new year. God bless you. Greet one another. Have a great afternoon. Without